slid back when like a child running wild in the outside you got older Thank you. This is our holiday episode of Smile You Love Us. So I am wearing my penguin hat and I am drinking a boozy eggnog, which is my favorite, perhaps my favorite alcoholic drink ever. Maybe it is just the fact that it's so seasonal. Like I will have like two to three eggnogs tops a year, all within the same week. Like I'm never going to order an eggnog and like july that's insane i don't think you could find it no you could make your own i guess but i wouldn't that's a lot does does billy drink eggnog yes i think the but again the booze is required i don't know that he would drink it without it got it got it do you have a brand of choice like turkey hill hood um ronnie brook makes a really good one they're like a smaller dairy farm um i just generally try to go with the like i guess bougiest meaning like I, i'm not I mean, gonna go only gonna have three a year exactly like yeah. I would organic valley whatever because it should be high quality because it's hell yeah it's a very dairy heavy drink but you i also like, i'm gonna get some eggnog for christmas yes the lunches are gonna have eggnog and they're gonna like it. And then I was like, oh, maybe I would, maybe I'm going to like get into white Russians because like that's similar. No, no. That's, then you're just it's like drinking heavy cream and I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Well, every year Matt usually goes to a lunch, a work lunch for Christmas. And with COVID this year, they can't. But the biggest tragedy of it all is that. Even if he did, the guy there's a man there was a man on his team who used to make homemade Baileys every year. But he he transferred out, which is great because that's why Matt got promoted this year. <laughs> but for they, but for this holiday season, it's like a little sad without the homemade uh Do you think people are expecting Matt to take up that mantle of now making homemade Oh my god, I should say it. I should I should ask him. Because Smith's Kitchen has a good recipe for homemade Irish cream. My mom used to have a friend who made her, like, really good Irish cream, too. I don't think it's that hard. I think I think the problem with it is, like, you must gift it. Like, it's hard to make a small quantity mm-hmm. of, Irish, of, like, that. Yeah. Because you're just combining, like, gallons and liter. you know what I mean? Like, just large vessels of, of boozy dairy. Yeah. Um, speak <laughs> boozy dairy. Uh, I'm lost now. Um, so we've been planning this for maybe many, many years to have a, a holiday um, episode. And, and then when it kind of came down to it, there weren't really that many things to watch for the teens. Yeah, we really struggled. I think the first we wanted to do this last year because Netflix released a movie called let it snow mm-hmm. last December, which we did watch for this pod and we were like great a holiday theme what else can we watch and it was like there was this one movie called unaccompanied minors which was given such a bad re- such bad reviews and was just like looked like a really bad time and that's <laughs> we're, not, we're not trying to do a podcast that three people listen to so we can like 
watch movies that we don't actually enjoy. But right. this year, we watched Let It Snow, I'll Be Home for Christmas, which we kind of stretched our rules because they're technically in college. But oh my gosh, we, I didn't even think about that, but we did. And I was the one that even broke in college. The opening scene, it looks like a high school. It's, yeah. It, yeah. It's, and then Netflix came through again and gave us a Christmas teen, like, series, mm-hmm. limited series yeah. called Death and Lily. And I had a great time watching all three. So I'm very excited. I'm glad. So I had seen. Um, I had seen I'll Be Home for Christmas probably, I'm not, I'm not being conservative with this, probably like 50 times in my life. Oh my God, I'm so excited to hear that. That is going to give me, that's a lot to work with today. Yeah, so I've seen it a lot and I started to think like, how have I seen this movie so much? And Jonathan Taylor Thomas is one reason. He's the star of it and I was eight when this movie came out. Um, two is like Disney Channel was the only TV channel that we were allowed to watch pretty much growing up. Um, and they also did Christmas in July. Mm. And so I don't know that one. Oh, no, no, it, it was like an event. So every oh, July, they oh would do like a 12 days of Christmas in July and play Christmas movies in July. That's so fun. It was, I would, I mean, it was just so much fun to like be sitting in like a damp swimsuit and be like cozied up watching. Oh, I love it. Um, yes. And, but we also definitely 1000% had recorded it off of TV because I can, I can like see it on a VHS, like in my mom's handwriting, like I'll be home for Christmas. That's amazing. Yeah, so, um, and Dash and Lily, the Netflix show that we'll talk about, was recommended by my friend Christina, who has impeccable taste, but she, she very little, she very rarely has, like, indulgent taste. Like, she's not going to be like, oh, watch this ridiculous, like, she has no patience for The Bachelorette, you know what I mean? Which, we'll let our three listeners know and I haven't let you know this yet Blythe I edited out 30 minutes of us talking about The Bachelorette at the end of our last episode I apologize um no no I'm just as much to blame I was like what have you been watching anything interesting and we fully divulged like it was just bachelor podcast it became a full bachelor podcast with like hot takes and banter and like at one point, I was like, "We can circle back on this. Like, it's not that's not what this podcast." So we um, let's just get into it. We watched these three teen. I guess we're not called. It's not a movie, Dash and Lily. It's a series. It's also our teen holiday streaming options because all of these are available for free right now, which is great. It is great. I'm really glad that I didn't have to spend money on I'll Be Home for Christmas. Love it as I do. Uh, considering that I just recently rented Rocky three. I'm very happy that I don't have to, I, I've been like, I hadn't seen any of the Rocky films past one, not including like Creed and Creed two, um, which Billy was like very upset about. And so we've been working our way through the Rockies and I love this. Yeah. I'm not, I'm very happy. I saw Rocky two. I thought that was great. Rocky three, not so great. 
and now I'm just like, okay, I spent $4 on this movie. Like, I don't want to do that again. I believe I've seen Rocky 2, but now that I say that, like, I, I certainly have not seen Rocky 3, but I believe I've seen Rocky 2. But that's a good thing to, to maybe add to our viewing list. Um, my fiancé last night reminded me, again, that he really feels The Revenant is worth a rewatch as soon as possible. Really? And I'm like, can you do that by yourself? God damn it. Gosh. Yeah. Again. Does he, does he think of it as like a holiday movie? I don't know. I, it's definitely a winter movie for him. But um, yeah, I don't know. We were talking about, because I wanted to watch Tenant last night, but we, by the time we finished dinner, it was like too late to start a two and a half hour movie for me because I watched approximately. What? Especially that movie. That movie requires your attention. Right. Like, I want to focus. But I, I had enough energy in me on a Friday night to watch about one and a credit sequence of The Sopranos. One episode in a credit sequence. I was like, I've definitely got another episode in me. Mm-hmm. And then, like, all of a sudden I woke I woke up and Matt was like, we've stopped. We're, we'll watch this another day. This in is not. The credit sequence is 15 minutes long, so. It is. <laughs> So long, and we watch it every single time. I'm like, can't we skip this this time? We started skipping it, but like, we, I guess we'll watch the credit sequence like the first instance of the, you know, of the viewing. But then if you're like binging a few episodes, you can kind of like go on through. Anywho, let's begin. Yes. As someone who's seen, uh, I'll be on for Christmas 50 times. Would you like to give us a plot summary, or would you like me? Okay. I'd love to give the plot summary. Please um, take So, this movie opens with uh, Jake, played by Jonathan Taylor Thomas, at college, taking his quote-unquote nerdy friend out of a locker. And they don't have lockers at colleges, and that is pretty much all IMDb talks about when you read up on this movie. <laughs> it I'm is. Like, weird though when I because I again never seen this movie so when the opening credits I'm like oh he's like a boarding school kid like okay that's interesting that's a fun twist and like uh but then I like read the Disney plot summary and they were like college student Jake like needs to anyway you can talk about it but it's very strange to have the opening scene be like okay this is clearly college as shown to like eight-year-olds like yeah i mean well i was eight so yes that is this is perfect yeah so and as i was watching the thing that's really fascinating to me watching movies back as an adult is like how deeply ingrained in my brain certain little facts are like the cherry crunch detail of the power bar i was like Oh my God, I remember this. So what ha- the way that the movie gets set up is Jake goes to college in Los Angeles. He's a little bit of a um, Eddie Haskell. He's yeah. just a little scammy. He's always, He's got like a scheme on the side to be making money. He's just kind of like greases the palms and has it working for him um, and thinks he's really cool. Like he's, you know, there's a scene where he's literally just trying on 90s designer sunglasses while he's like talking on a cordless phone like he's just a fully actualized 890s Jonathan Taylor Thomas like I think that this might have been the beginning of the end for JTT 
Well, it's interesting because he basically plays what I imagine his home improvement character would be if he went to school in California. Like, that character, I don't know how many people watch Home Improvement. I watched it pretty religiously growing up. Um, I, I mean, I've seen it, but I did not watch it religiously. He was the same character. He's, like, super smart, but, like, uses his smarts, like, in a way to, like, get a, you know, one-up on everybody. Like, right. you know. Get a one-up on everybody. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's about a step behind everybody. And yeah. so he has this beautiful girlfriend played by Jessica Biel. Who they both are from the East Coast, from Scarsdale, which is an extremely wealthy. What? Largemont. Largemont. Large Not Scarsdale. Large, I mean, they're the same town essentially. Um, but from Largemont, which is a real town, and it's real wealthy uh, in New York. And just moved there. Who? Katie and Jim just moved there. Oh, I don't think Katie and Jim listen. But if you guys do, hi, hello. Okay, so. Uh, Jake and his girlfriend Allie, played by Jessica Biel, kind of like Jessica Biel is pretty much um, on the rise with Seventh Heaven at this point in time. Seventh Heaven had been on for like four, four-ish years, let's say. Um, and so they, Jake does not want to go home for Christmas because, but of course, he's got a dead mom, so <laughs> I'm allowed to say it like that. Um, and his dad, played by Gary Cole, who you would recognize his face from a million things. I recognize his face from The Good Wife. Um, but other people might recognize his face from Office Space and many other things. Uh, it's his dad and has been re is remarried to seemingly a very lovely woman. She seems totally fine and unassuming. Um, but uh, he Jake doesn't want to go home for Christmas. He wants to go to Mexico with Allie instead. He tries to swap in the uh, airline ticket. It blows up in his face because Allie's like, uh, I would like to go home with my family. I go to, you know, college in California. I would like to go back east for Christmas and have a white Christmas. As she's drinking eggnog. And uh, Jake then needs to kind of like scramble back because his dad says, if you come home, you can have the vintage Porsche. So, so like, first of all, like, it's the rich, kiddiest movie ever. Like, this, it's just, like, the plot is that, and, okay, I will say, as someone who also lost their mother and whose stepfather got also remarried. me, not Jake, the character. Listeners. Yeah, right. But Jake's whole point was he was, like, well, first of all, it seemed like he hadn't been home for Christmas in a while. But then he says he's 18. But he's, yeah, we're not going to get too deep into that, but, like, um... There was no script supervisor on this movie. That's um, but he's, he, um... He says, like, my dad got remarried to my stepmom, like, ten months after my mom died. And I was like, okay. Something very similar happened to me. So, Jake, I feel you. I'm immediately on Team Jake. Uh, fuck your family. You don't have to go. Like, you don't have to go home if you don't want to. If you want... But this was also brilliant, like, 90s just plot movie twist. You can't just... Nowadays, you can't just, like, take the ticket home that your dad bought you and turn and like turn around and get two tickets... Cash it in for two tickets to Cabo San Lucas. Yes. So that actually brings me to my next plot point, which I found to be... The most dated thing in any movie that we have watched to date, 
is that Jake has these athletes who are mad at him for some reason or another. I'm not entirely sure. And he decides that, he, you know, to, to make good with them, he's going to help them cheat on their final. And his genius idea is he gives them all pagers that are beep. Yeah, uh, whatever. Beepers, sorry. Beepers that will display the answers. And so you have these three athletes who are taking this final, reading these beepers with the answers, um, and then they get they end up getting caught and in, in trouble, and then Jake pays the price, which is what sets off the movie. The fact that three college students could sit in the classroom and just openly interact with a technological communication device in 1998 is stunning to me. It is truly stunning to me. And I just, like, chef's kiss the 90s. Yeah. Amazing. Totally. Amazing. And there, there are obviously, like, clueless head beepers, right? Like, and there are other movies from this time where, like, that technology is, um, mentioned or is like somewhat important but it doesn't like it's not as jarring and just some completely ridiculous like completely they, ridiculous that this <laughs> professor like raises her eyebrow and they're like sorry coach likes to stay in touch and they're all just like reading their their beepers and like frantically writing down the answers so so it ends up that jake uh gets assaulted by um, these three athletes and then this guy, Eddie, who is played by a man named Adam Lavorgna. And if you had asked probably 12-year-old Erin if she would ever struggle to remember that man's name, I'd be like, no, obviously it's Adam Lavorgna. He plays Robbie on 7th Heaven. Hello, get with the program. So he and Jessica Biel were also on 7th Heaven together, and now oh, he's in this cool. show. Well, this is synergy. Okay, I didn't watch 7th Heaven, so. That's okay. You know what? That is stunning to me, given how much television, given the fact that you were raised by television, as you like to say. Um, also, it's, like, really weird now, because, like, that the the character who played the dad, like, pastor, is, like, a really bad person in real life, like, yeah, I just thought it was, like, a religious show, and I was like... It was. It, yeah. No, it fully was. It yeah. fully was a religious show. Yeah. I, didn't, I wasn't... Uh, but it I was, was also, like, you know, a family drama. I don't know. Like I said, I was pretty much allowed to watch one channel growing up. Um, so... Me, Party of Five. Oh, my God. I loved... I've, I have... <laughs> I have Party of Five on season one on DVD, if you ever want to watch it. Love to. Love to. And I got into Party of Five after Lost came out because I was like, who are you? <laughs> are you serious? No, yeah. So funny. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. I was fully like, uh, Matthew Fox, how can I see everything you've ever been in? Oh. Uh, and my mom, my mom was like, well, you should have seen him in the 90s because he was a treat. Yeah. Um, I don't think the phrase snack was around then, but if it had been, she would have used that. <laughs> I love it. Okay. okay, back to I'll Be Home for Christmas, because it's really the setup that gets us uh, to, like, you know, two sentences. But 
the athletes who Jake scams and Eddie, who doesn't like Jake because Jake's, you know, schmarmy, fast talking and dating the hottest person ever, Jessica Biel, they kind of uh, kidnap Jake and Jake wakes up in the middle of the uh, desert dressed as a Santa with vultures circling him. And because he now has this portion play, he's told Allie, Jessica Beale, that he does want to drive back to Larchmont and it's going to be fine. So he wakes up in the desert. Allie's waiting for him to pick her up so they can drive back east, which is wild to me. What happened to this airline ticket? Yeah, you, ha- you both had one. Also, I looked it up. It would take like three days. I was like, yeah, you can't. You cannot do the math with this movie. It doesn't work. And doesn't also, they're... Also, like, these are rich kids. Their parents are paying for them to fly back. I don't get it. I don't yeah. get it. I, I know. know. Also, Allie... So you're good. Allie has to get a ride with Eddie. And she's right. like, of all of the people that are driving back, like, there are so many people driving back east from the... 17. College. She said 17. I was like, hold on a second. There are that many East Coast kids. I do think. And they all drove from, they're all driving from California home? That's what's stunning to me. But I do think that, like, regionally people become a little bit cohorts in in schools with, like, travel and stuff. Like, I definitely have had some weird car rides with people in college where I was just like, what the fuck am I doing in this car? Um, You know, and, but also, like, yeah. Anyways. Then Jake essentially has to hitchhike his way across the country. And in the process, he ends up um, he ends up with a bunch of women who are going to see Tom Jones in Las Vegas. He gets kicked out of the car because he's hungover and vomits in a purse. Um, he's in a van with a bunch of stolen goods. And they end up at a hospital for children because they get pulled over by a cop for speeding and they have to make up a lie that they that the stolen goods in the back of the van are actually being delivered because he's in this Santa costume so everything can kind of be explained then he's with the cop and the cop is like uh wanting to win back his wife which that scene was in a that's a different movie that's a full different movie this like infidelity and then there's like a shit ton of sexual innuendos in that song and I was just like how was this on Disney Channel? Did they edit? I mean, they didn't edit it out because, like I said, the recesses of my brain remembered the lyrics that would be coming next. Um, and then the, because he helps the cop and his ex-wife get back together, he now has a ticket purchased for him to go back to New York from, like, Ohio. He's made it as far as Ohio, which I will believe that you can actually take a bus from Ohio to New York. I, I, I grant you that. As he's waiting for the bus, he sees on TV that his girlfriend, Allie, and Eddie, his arch nemesis, who left him in the desert, are at this, like, Bavarian village in the middle of America. And he's like, gotta go there. Gotta take this Greyhound bus off course to go pick up my girlfriend. Not, I'm sorry, not to pick up his girlfriend, but to beat the shit out of Eddie. Which, like, big, 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 
red flag. We always, I always talk about, you know, what my mother would have paused and been like, let's talk about this. What I would pause and talk about now is like, if your boyfriend beats the shit out of someone else because he doesn't trust you, time to get a new boyfriend. <laughs> you know? Um, so I would really like to pause here and hear your opinion of the Bavarian village that Jessica Beale and Eddie with the strong middle part end up at. Oh, Aaron, I'm so glad you asked. So this not did not surprise me. It delighted me. There, there are two places like this in Wisconsin. Um, there's Little Norway, and there is uh, Door County, which has several um, attractions that are Scandinavian-themed, such as uh, Al's Pancake House, mm-hmm. um, Swedish Pancake, Al Johnson's Swedish Pancake House. Which okay. has goats on the roof grazing, and all of the women has are. Has your husband been there? Um, he has not been there yet. I feel like the goats on the roof is really gonna just delight him to your Wisconsin yeah. life. So I was just so psyched when he was like, "I'm stuck in Wisconsin," and there's like a not insignificant part of this movie that takes place in the Midwest, which is something that happens in a lot of holiday movies. I feel like the Midwest just at some point is involved, like Home Alone and Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and um, even Love Actually. Like, there's a whole plot about the... Oh, yeah, they go to North Dakota. No, they go to Wisconsin. Oh, God. God. Um, So I was thrilled because those places exist. Little Norway is a thing. I've been there. They people dress in costume and live in little thatch villages. I mean, they don't live there, but they have you can stay there. And it's like uh, it's not like going back in time because no one actually ever did that. But it's just like this crazy, zany little like roadside attraction. Yeah. And they end up having a huge fight there because Jake gets there pretending that a cooler on the bus again, another like pre 9-11 travel situation here um and he writes in crayon that it's a heart that needs to be delivered to the Bavarian village because obviously they have a leading pediatric cardiac surgeon there I don't know yeah there's there's a lot of plot holes like just the idea that he casually woke up in the desert no this is pre-cell phones this is pre like he didn't have money, his wallet, he didn't have believe. I still believe the, the, that that is probably the most uh, believable scenario. Because he's like a piece of shit college guy. Like, you're telling me that, like, that wouldn't be your comeuppance? Is like a bunch of frat boys leave you in, like, the middle of Irvine? No, 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 absolutely. Like, that, that I didn't have a problem with. But then that he was just casually like, well, I got to get to New York. Like, not like I got to get back to my college. Right, and call my dad and be like, I just yeah. immediately have to get on the road and find my way home so that I can get this Porsche. Yeah. And he's like, all right, well, like, my dad doesn't believe me because I've lied too many times and, like, scammed too many people, so I guess I'll just start hitchhiking. I'm like, I, I don't know if that's just, like, a symbol of the luxury of being a white man in America. I don't know, but he was just so like ready and willing to just like get in a car with anybody and like it's travel three thousand miles with it's no true. money. I would fully just be like, well, 
gonna be uh, in the cafeteria for Christmas now. Hey, I feel like, oh. well, I, very important I get out of this desert and get back to my dorm room so I can like figure out my next move. Yes. Like, guess I'm going to Vegas. I mean. <laughs> With the Tom Tom girls. Yeah. Um, so I don't, tra- to be completely transparent as I'm retelling this, I don't really remember now what happens because Jessica Biel gets on, there's this big fight between Eddie and Jake and Jessica Biel in which there's like another super sexually inappropriate thing for a children's movie where he like strips Eddie down. And then that's like supposed to be like a gag, like a funny ha ha. I'm sure I thought it was hilarious at eight years old. Now I'm like, let's respect people's boundaries and privacy. Um, But then Jessica Biel gets on the bus, and Jake gets stuck there. Oh, and then there's the Santa 5K. Oh, my God. Santa 5K is the best part. So, all right, I watched this movie very recently, so I can I can fill in these blanks. I mean, I watched it on Sunday, but I can't really remember what happened. It, and it's, you know, like, there are some plot holes just in general, so I, I'm not surprised that you didn't, like, commit all this to memory. But... So what, what happens is Jessica Biel finds out that his only reason for trying to get home is to get the Porsche. And she's just, like, tired of his, like, materialism and his, you know, like, he only cares about himself. So she's like, I'm taking your seat on this bus right. and you can just figure it out. Like, I don't want to be with Eddie anymore. I'm not driving home with him anymore. He's a, He's a creep. And you're a creep. So you guys can drive home together. So there's, like, a really cute three minutes where they're, like, driving and they're, like, you know, commiserating about, like, girls and the music they like. And then Eddie's – and Eddie um, – Jake, like, explains to him his plans for the Porsche. And Eddie's, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have to drop you off here, man. Like, that's just, like, too many good things happening for you. And I just can't allow that to happen. So, sorry. If you get a Porsche, like, that's just – I'm just not comfortable with helping you do that. And just, like, leaves him in uh, – in this movie, I'm going to say it again. My mother paused for all the wrong content in my <laughs> So that's when he gets dropped off in this random town where there's a Santa 5K, and the 5K winner gets $1,000, which is hilarious. And it turns out that the mayor of this town wins every year and takes that $1,000 and, like, uses it to buy turkeys for families in the city that can't afford them. So then Jake wins the $1,000, but then finds out about this good deed. So he gives the money back. And then he has to take a cargo. He has he. Oh, yeah. Another not another pre-9-11 plot. Yeah. He so gets he, in a dog crate at right. the airport. Well, first he calls his sister and is like, I need, I'm near Madison, Wisconsin. I need a plane ticket home. Do you have any money? And she's like, okay. but how are you going to get on a plane? You don't have ID. And he's like, just oh, come up right. with the password and they'll tell the, they'll tell the ticket agent the password. And then she'll let me on. He gets to the airport. She's like, great. You have the password. Where's your ID? He's like, I don't have one. She's like, well, I can't let you on the plane. He's like, okay. And then he sees a dog cargo. He, he's like, there's a dog that's going to get on a plane and has JFK on the dog's kennel. So somehow he gets in the kennel and is in the cargo hold of a plane. And then somehow he gets from JFK, which for those of you who are not familiar with the geography of the tri-state area, is pretty far out on Long Island, to be totally honest. And 
Um, then he's home in Larchmont. Quick, zip, zip. Yeah. Holiday traffic. Just he like he oh, gets on the metro. Born in Westchester. Zip, zip. This is so boring, but I just love how much of a part of my life this movie is. Like I have got, I have flown from Madison, Wisconsin to JFK. And then had to get to Westchester. Like, I have done that before. It Honestly, takes- like, though, to get from JFK to your apartment could, in a holiday rush, take an hour and a half. Correct. So, to get to Westchester, you have to get on the Easily metro. three hours. Yeah. So, Easily. it was just, I was like, I've done this before. This is not at all possible. But then he gets there. And and he gets to Jessica Beale's house with like carolers or some shit, or she's caroling. I don't even care. And then the, the best part is is that his dad has put the Porsche in the front yard, mm-hmm. and just wistfully like thank God we gave Gary Cole better things to do after this movie because he's just like wistfully standing in the front yard like jingling keys off his fingers like Jake's not gonna make it, and then Jake does make it. And instead of going inside, he plays the ultimate white man card and is like, I'm just going to let my family have this moment, watches them through the window, and then shows up like he's like, honestly, it felt like the end of Homeward Bound, which was like way better movie than this. (laughs) Like the golden retriever comes back through the front door. All this to say... I fucking loved rewatching it. Me? Well, I love watching it for the first time. Honestly, I was just like, good God, the 90s and the early aughts. Cool. They ruled. They totally ruled. And I'm so glad I like came of age with like Teen Beat, Tiger Bop, whatever, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, then like TikTok. Yeah, I agree. And Jonathan Taylor Thomas is like, I don't know. He he is like not a good actor, but he's not a bad actor. He's like he has a character. He's got unbelievable screen presence. I mean, that's what he has going for him. So, that he has this like charisma and enthusiasm and like just total baby face. I mean, I think he probably did well to like leave entertainment behind because I, I don't know what he would look like as an you know what I mean. Like I don't know if that charm would translate to adulthood and he probably has so much fucking money from like the lion king you know what i mean like um yeah i i think he is just an incredible teen movie star i enjoyed watching it very much jessica beale was like great she i thought she was awesome and I just thought it was like hijinks. It was so like fun. And you, as much as I like, didn't want to think about like, how would this film work today? Like, it just would, like, you can't go anywhere without an ID. Like you just, it's, it's just not going to fly. It's not possible. I right. mean, I was thinking like the lengths that movies have to go to now to like remove cell phones from plot. Oh. Just so they can have a plot. Because so many movies are solved by you just, like, picking up your phone and, like, mm-hmm. figuring it out. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, figuring it out. So, yeah, I thought, um, but what I really, really wanted to talk about, Aaron, is the is the end of the movie. If you'll, if you'll indulge me. Please. So, speaking of Matt, actually, the, uh, a really, the way that we learn that um, Jonathan Taylor Thomas has mended with his family is that his 
his dad earlier has asked him to please give his stepmother his his sweater oh size. Oh, my God. I don't know if we can publish this until after Christmas if we say what we're about to say. Well, you'll have to. I said it's up to you to indulge me. But there was a uh, a big plot point is Jonathan Taylor Thomas sharing with his stepmother his sweater size. And he's, you know, reluctant to do, or I don't know, he just doesn't want her to be in his life. And then she opens the door, he gives hugs, and he's like, Carolyn, my size, my sweater size is a 38 or a medium. What's yours? And then they embrace. And she says, it's an eight. I wear an eight. And they just have this, like, beautiful moment. And I was cackling because Aaron had just told me a story about how Matt, her lovely fiancé's family, doesn't know his sweater size and has been no, getting... No, they, they cannot retain it. They know it. They've been told this information. They cannot retain it. And Matt has been gifted a size large sweater for conservatively the last 15 years of his life. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I mean, and I get it. Like, sometimes you go to a store and you hold something up in, in what you presume to be your size, and you're like, oh, I got to size up on this. <laughs> no. And, like, sometimes uh, sometimes things are gifted that are, like, uh, special. Like, um, you know, if a team wins a title, things like that. And... Um, yeah, then you just have something that's, like, a little baggy on you. They, yeah. They've got my medium down pat. I always get the perfect size for me. <laughs> However, I think they just think Matt's a little larger than he is. And, I mean, Matt is tall. He's six feet tall. Um, but he's, he's not large in, like, NFLstore.com, <laughs> like, clothing. I just, I thought that was the perfect... Uh, bow on top of the Christmas present that was I'll be home for Christmas. I enjoyed that very much. I'm so glad. <laughs> um, should we talk super zippy about I'll let it snow? Sure. I can I can do this one. I will um, preface this by saying there are conservatively 20 plot lines in this film. So I might yeah. have to skip over a few um this was a 2019 netflix film uh it was i think it was based on a book and it takes place in like a small town in the midwest i did not know that until you just said that it conceptually makes a lot more sense as a book yes it as does. a ya book that there's like you can probably extrapolate some more themes and parallels and things like that this is okay all right it's based on a and this will also make more sense it's based on a book called Let It Snow, Three Holiday Romances. Oh, oh. Yeah, well, anyway, but there are, like, several, like, love stories in this film. Okay. And again, it would make more sense as a book to have, like, all of these characters. So it takes place in this small town in um, Illinois. More Midwest. More Midwest holiday stories. And it's starts with Julie um, taking, she's on a train and she like runs into this pop star, Stuart Bale, um, who's very cute. And really, really cute. I was like, where is this guy? He's super cute. So Julie and Stuart. Plot one, Julie is a 
hardworking student. Um, her mother's sick. She got into Columbia. She feels like she can't go because her mom's sick. She has this magical day with this pop star. And that kind of, he tries to convince her that she can leave and go to Columbia and they should be together. And it's just like, it's a very cute part of the movie. Like, him having a normal quote unquote Christmas, like in her small little town and her, you know, getting to open up to someone who doesn't know about her and her mom and everything. Um, so one thing about that plot, I actually thought that they were the funniest. Like they had the best jokes. I, like when he comes down the stairs in the sweater, that was like hilarious. Um, I mean, Darcy Carden like carried it. So whatever, but he was like very funny. She has major Rachel Lee Cook vibes to me. Oh, yes, totally. She's like, she's so beautiful, but she's really quiet. And her eyes. Biting. Yeah, and her eyes are super expressive. Like, that's where all of her acting happens in these like big doe eyes. And she, yeah, she's definitely like the the beautiful nerd. Like, you don't understand how hot she is until you just like look at her straight on and you're like, well, obviously yeah. she's a beautiful person <laughs> and as we find out like later in the movie like she's kind of a loner nerd but everyone likes her enough like yeah. people are like aware of her and like looking out for her yeah so that's plot number one it's very sweet and then we go across town to the waffle town which is like a pancake house diner place and this is where a lot of the other plots happen so first you have um waffle town employee dory who is a lesbian the best character Sorry. She's amazing. No, she is. She, She's the best character. I didn't mean to step on it. She is a lesbian, and she is the best character. Yes. And she is not only dealing with her her friend Addie, who is the hot girl from um, Lady Bird. <laughs> and she's also, she plays the best friend in um, the Netflix movie Dumpling, if you've ever seen that. I did see Dumpling. Dumpling was so yeah. cute. Also yeah. a good movie. So she's not only juggling Addie, who's, like, kind of a drama queen and having problems with her boyfriend and, like, ha needs all this attention. She also... Well, her boyfriend is in, is the cool kid in Booksmart. Oh, right. Oh, my God. This is wild. Um, Netflix is a factory. It, they yeah. just crank Seriously. that out. Seriously. So she's has her friend Addie's having this, like, breakdown about her boyfriend's cheating on her or something. I don't know. Addie's plot is pretty boring. But then she has she sees that there's like this group of cheerleaders that have come in and one of the cheerleaders is like a girl that she had a really nice date with and she's like so psyched and then she goes over and the girl like ignores her and pretends that she doesn't know her and it's like really embarrassing and sad obviously like the girl hasn't come out to her friends and but it's just really painful to watch her like wait on them and think like talk to this girl like they're friends and that she knows her and anyway Oh, that's so relatable. <laughs> like, have you never been there where you like go and you talk? You're like, hey. I mean, oh. now obviously I'm. I mean, I'm an adult, but like when you were younger and you would just be like, oh shit, do they remember me? Are they gonna act like they know me or don't know me? And then you'd like think it was gonna be totally fine, and then someone would totally blow you off, and you'd be like, what the fuck? Or being on the flip side, like totally blowing someone off. I did that like kind of recently I mean not that recently like two years ago there was a guy that I used to play basketball with a lot um and I saw him at like a Williamsburg like bar and he had some what bar um the one with all like the outdoor space 
I can't, it was one of the many hipster bars. Um, but at, since I had been, since I used to play pickup with him, he became like kind of a pseudo celebrity. So like, yeah, he was on some like cooking show and he was like Anthony Bourdain's like protege. Yeah. Um, but Billy knew him too. Cause they like had a mutual friend from like Fordham or something. Okay. Um, anyway, so I like walked up to this guy in this like hipster bar and he's got like two, like lovely ladies next to him and I'm just like hey man like long time like good to see you and he was like yeah sure and I was like oh this is so embarrassing like I know you know who I am like <laughs> but yeah, yeah I mean, people, I'm play I mean cool there's a difference between people being just like totally asshole rude and like trying to be play it cool yeah I could I mean I think he was doing but I think he was like was struggling to remember who I was but also was like treating me as if I had like I don't know like the issue there is that if Billy wasn't if Billy I don't know if he was with you or wasn't with you but if Billy knew him then like then you're kind of shit out of luck but I always love when I'm like have you met Matt and then someone can introduce themselves to you (laughs) you know what I mean like if I can't remember who someone is I'm like hello yeah I was also intoxicated at the time so I definitely maybe my enthusiasm was like Maybe this I was is like when Lemon saw she sat next to Oprah on a plane. Like, I, <laughs> I wasn't that drunk. He didn't know him. He didn't know. Never, the man never seen him. Anyway, so another <laughs> plot line is with Kieran Shipka. She's, um, he was Kieran dramatic. Kieran Shipka. Sorry, Kieran Shipka. Kieran. Kieran. All right, I'm going to call her KS, not to confuse with Kristen Stewart. Anyway, in this... Sorry, I'm, like, heckling you. <laughs> in this... And especially... This is such a hard movie to I get... I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is because you made me get a festive drink. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, KS um, is... Plays this girl who goes by the name Duke. I don't know why. Um, maybe it's her last name. I don't know. Her name's Angie. They call her Duke. I, it doesn't matter. But um, she has this, like, love triangle, but they don't know it's a love triangle. Her best friend is this guy, Tobin, and he's going to use this, like, magical day. Aaron made a really good um, analogy to Empire Records. Like, that's what this movie is like. Yeah. This is, like, one yeah, celebrity come into the ordinary, that everything is a little chaotic but this storyline especially is like super empire records yeah because she's Corey. yeah and tobin is trying to use this like magical day with like the snowstorm and the like i don't you know whatever it's the holidays to like muster up the courage to tell angie that he loves her and that he's always wanted to be with her and then things get sidetracked because this college guy like jp JP comes into play and Angie's like, he's awesome. Like we should hang out he with him. Awesome. He's awesome. And uh, Tobin is like kind of pissed. Cause he clearly was hoping this would just be a day of, of the, t- with the two of them. And Angie's confused. Cause she's like, what's the problem with, you know, you and I are best friends. I like, this guy's awesome. Like we should all just hang out. She's just trying to have a day. She's just trying to have a fun day. And he's trying to have like a romantic, serious day. So they they split ways because he's pissed and I don't know. Um, and then <laughs> there's another no, plot. No, they split ways because he's pissed. He gets 
content being a nativity scene, and then it is stuck in a snowbank. Great. Um, After they go ice skating with ex-cons that were great above them, which if we're going to talk true to life teen moments, that's for sure one of them. <laughs> when you show up somewhere that like a friend of a friend has brought you and you're like, wait, I thought he was maybe in prison. We didn't, wasn't he a few years above us in high school? And someone's like, Shh, don't mention that. That is an extremely true to life team moment. Um, Aaron went to a rougher high school. I <laughs> okay, so there's other plots, but I'm just going to go, I'm just going to do two more. Okay, so one is, for whatever reason, the lovely Joan Cusack just plays a crazy conspiracy theory snowplow lady who, who would get, involves herself in many of these different plot lines. She helps Tobin get out of the snowbank. She picks up Addie and, like, convinces her to, like, live stop, in the moment. Yeah, live in the moment and, like, be a better friend and, like, stop caring about her dumb boyfriend. And um, it's just a very weird... She's covered in tinfoil. And that, that is crazy never explained. And I think that if you want Joan Cusack to be in this movie, she's, like, the narrator and talks about, like, how snow is magical and you just got to go with the flow. And I get it. Like, it's set in Illinois. You know, um, John Hughes is from Illinois. Most of his movies are, were set in Illinois. Joan Cusack was in a significant number of John Hughes' movies, as was her brother. Like, she's a teen, was a former teen movie bit character. But, like, you can have her do all of that just as, like, this cool tow truck driver. Yeah. I know. The the fact that she has to be, like, wacky is really, it pulls away from it. It it makes it a lot less fun. Um, And then the last plot is just, like, the Waffle Town has now become a huge party um, because Keon, Keon, who people might know from the uh, Spider-Man, the newest Spider-Man series with with Tom Holland. He plays Tom Holland's best friend, Spider-Man's best friend. He was going to have a big party at his house because his parents were out of town, but then they came back early and he was like, okay, shit, I gotta, like, I really want to, like, become a DJ, so, like, having a sick party is, like, part of that, or, like, I want to prove to my parents that I'm a good DJ or something. I think that that was the least true to teen life moment, is that his, his parents would come home catch him in the act of setting up for a party and then be like, yeah, go do whatever you want. Yeah. Well, to be fair, he was like going to the Waffle House to work. He was like picked up a shift. And I don't know if I'm a parent, I'm like, well, that's a pretty good punishment. Like you have to go to work (laughs) like at your your food service job. So then he's like, well, let's just turn the Waffle House into a party or his, his coworker, Billy convinces him to do that. And that happens. Like, there's, like, the Waffle House turns into a big fun teen party, which is not true to life, but also makes for a great set. There's no cops. There's absolutely no police in this entire town. Yeah. Um, And that's really it. Like, a lot. it seems like a lot happens, but honestly, nothing happens. Like, Angie and Tobin get together. Uh, Yeah. Who, well, and, yeah, I, so that's where I kind of was like, listen, Kieran Shipka is like a, ne- a Netflix star, you know, studio machine at this point. 
And I just don't really buy her as a romantic lead, but I think she's really cool and charming. And I would really like to see her in things that don't have romantic leads. Like I would just like to see her in like a cool, I don't know, just like, can she be in something that doesn't have a romantic plot? There's plenty of movies like that being made these days. People like, let's just do it. And then, I mean, she looks really young. So when she ages up, maybe then, I don't know, but, um, and the guy who plays Mitchell is, like, super cute, he's so sweet, and, like, I thought he was way more, it was way more believable that he was into her than it was that she was into him, I don't know, and then, obviously, Rachel Lee Cook Jr., great, um, but other than that, like, Dory's plot was far and wide, the best and it makes me so happy that Netflix like highlights queer teen stories and like that was just legitimately not a thing when I was in high school like 15 years ago just like would never ever have been a thing and I just think it's so amazing that this huge billion dollar studio farm Mm -hmm. is is doing this and I think that Then when you look at, like, um, other movies that have been made on other streaming platforms and, like, you see the ripple effect out from that, it's, like, clearly the Netflix data indicates, like, this doesn't have to be just a queer movie for queer audiences. It can be a queer movie for every audience. And, like, it's just so great to see this in, in new teen movies, as opposed to in I'll Be Home for Christmas, I thought it was unbelievably progressive for 2000, I'm sorry, for 1998, Jessica Biel says to Eddie at the beginning of their car ride, like, I'm going to punch you if you say anything that's sexist, racist, or homophobic. I was like, or misogynistic. I was like, whoa, these words in a Disney movie in the 90s, like, this is wild. And now we have, like, two women kissing on screen, and it's, like, so sweet and lovely. Yeah. And that's, and I think I'm glad you brought that up because I had the same thought. I'm like watching I'll Be Home for Christmas. I'm like, yes, Jessica Biel is the voice of like the progressive, like there was a strong progressive movement, but the difference is for Disney in the nineties, it was just lip service. Like we're going to have a character say you can't, you can't be racist, but we're not actually going to have stories for people. Well, many people would argue that Disney still does that, but Disney owns Hulu, and then and Hulu put out uh, Happy Season this year. Right. Um, so the that's the big switch, right? The switch to like we no longer have characters that just say like you can't be racist. We have characters confronting racism and telling stories of people right. of color and queer stories, and it is a very nice. It's like show me, don't tell me, like, show me that you are inclusive. Don't just like have this lip service character because it also, you know, and clearly like Eddie and John and Thomas's character, like they don't actually learn or grow at any point. (laughs) And I think the nice thing about Let It Snow Snow is, um, you know, it's not all this like, shiny glossy resolution like you still at the end of the um movie have a woman who like hasn't gone to her family and like that's okay and you know like everything it it feels a little more grounded in how teens operate than you know and all this to say like 
I watched the film, the movie, in, like, two segments. Yeah. And it was warm and cozy and holiday. But, like, that was that was it. Like, it wasn't, like, a great movie. I don't think I'll watch it again. But it's not going to be a classic. By no. Any. No. And I will say Dash and Lily is, like, Netflix stepping it up again and again. Like, Dash and Lily is, it's their heterosexual couple so like that's not that exciting but she's um korean american well in the movie she's chinese american i mean in the series she's chinese american i'm not sure of the um actual heritage of the being actor so dash and lily like i said earlier came to me from my friend christina um who i mean christina just truly has like impeccable taste she also has like major soft spots for things like i'm not like she doesn't she doesn't turn her nose up at anything but she's not an easily won audience like if she says this something's really good you should watch it and so she told me multiple times like i really think you will love dash and lily like i really think you should watch dash and lily have you watched dash and lily yet so i hadn't and i was like okay i will i will i will and then I watched one episode before suggesting to Blythe that we should incorporate it into this uh, podcast episode. And it is just a warm, cozy, pine-scented, teen movie, New York City sweater. It is just everything I needed in the COVID era where I am not going holiday shopping at the Strand, where I'm not able to go, you know, walk through Washington Square Park and see beautiful decorations. Like, it was just, I cried like a hundred times watching this just because I was like, I love New York so much. Um, And it was such great storytelling. Yeah, it really was. And I do think that it helps being um, an eight episode adaptation that really played in its favor. Like, I think if Let It Snow had maybe done something like that, it would have been better. Like you could have developed these characters a lot more. You could have had a lot more jokes and a lot more just like fun instead of trying to cramp it. You wonder if Netflix learned from the adaptation of Let It Snow for this. Yeah. And I think we're not going to go too far into the plot because we want people to watch it and we don't want to spoil it. But it starts as kind of like a detective, like, I don't know. It, it has like a, a mystery element at first, like, Dash. It's a scavenger hunt. Yeah, it's a scavenger hunt. It's so cute and it's really fun and it keeps you wanting more and the leads are great. Um, the leads Dash- are amazing. The yeah. one of, so the male lead who plays Dash is in Euphoria, which I have not seen Euphoria, but he is amazing. And after the first episode, I was like, he is like in Timothy Chalamet's image. Like we wouldn't have him as a leading man, in my opinion, if we didn't have Timothy Chalamet. Like he's like skinny. He's not conventionally handsome. He's unbelievably charming. Like he's just so charming he smirks and all people do things for him but he's this like really persnickety character so it's like he's almost like trying to you know rebuff his own charm and it like totally works 
for a teen, for a teen, I like that you have someone who's like really naturally charismatic and like does like knows himself and doesn't really feel like he wants to play into like ugh, well being a teenager. He thinks he's a little bit better than things, and that tension in in the character who's played by um, the actor Austin Abrams. Austin Abrams, like he's so so good and then the flip side and they're not in any scenes together and I think that that is it has a very like you've got male quality to it where they're corresponding and they're in New York oh my god you've got it's I didn't even think about that but yes it's totally you've got male and this is the first time that has occurred to you yes especially Especially because they're on like opposite sides, right? Like she's a huge Christmas lover. Right. He's a he's a Grinch, um, and she's trying to get him to like be vulnerable and open up, and he's trying to like not not like make her jaded, but he's trying to he's trying to let her get into her inner angry. Like not everything has to be great all the time. Like you can, you know, you, some of your Christmas spirit might be a little bit of a um, um, he like, helps her lean into, um, honestly, like what being a teenager is, which is like living in uncertainty and stress and anguish and like really feeling your feelings. And he feels them like too deeply. And right. she, she's just like, everything's wonderful. And I have no friends. So I'm going to create a caroling troupe with my neighbors who are in their 30s. Right. Um, yeah, and as someone in their 30s, like, when they, uh, I also, like, te- I, as I said, I teared up a million times watching this episode. They get off of the 4th and 9th Street subway stop and go to 4 and 20 Blackbirds, and I used to live at the, I mean, I don't live far from there now, but I used to live at the 4th and 9th Street subway stop, and I was just like, oh, my God, I can always come back to this TV show when I leave New York, and, every, and like, it is just a really good New York um, show. It was especially nice right now because, like you said, we can't do any of those things. There is no, like, bustling New York Christmas. Like, even, I just think about him, like, getting off the subway at Union Square. And I'm like, I miss that. Like, I miss. Well, that was my, I worked not far from there. So I would, like, get off there. And also, like, the series kind of opens at the Union Square Holiday Mart, and when I was in college, like, I would go there all the time. I don't know. This movie was just, like, very reflective of, like, the fact that I've lived in New York for, like, 12 Christmas seasons, and I was just, like, Jesus Christ. Actually, 13. Yeah, and that, and just, and I think even if you aren't, I mean, I just think, like, New York makes great Christmas movies. There are so many that are, take place in New York. It's a great city for movies for a lot of reasons obviously but I also think like even if you didn't live in New York watching this series would make you nostalgic for for pre-COVID Christmases like just thrilling like going to you know people who sing in choir and miss it and like can't go you know it's just there was just so many moments where you're like I can't go to a basement house party right now and like you know oh my god that rave was unbelievable and the best thing about that rape and I've never been to a, I guess it wasn't a rape it was like a underground thing yeah. the very best thing about it was is like she had she had a dream about what it would be like which is exactly what 
media makes us think cool yeah. New York parties are like. And then she gets there and it's just a very crowded, dingy space. And yeah. I was like, ah, oh, yes, this is yeah. the most true to teen life, true to real life moment yeah. ever. It's just like, I, yeah. So I recommend this series. Um, I think it's getting a second season. I'm going to come back to it next Christmas. I'm going to watch this again and again. I will probably not watch Let It Snow ever again. I might revisit I'll Be Home for Christmas. If I'm really feeling like in need of that. But there's so many other 90 movies I, I could watch instead of I'll Be Home for Christmas. Yeah. But I'm glad I saw it. It was a delight. I enjoyed it. But I will actually rewatch Dash and Lily. Like, I will... This will become a part of my Christmas repertoire. Interesting. And there are like 22 minute episodes. So it's exactly. not. I not watch the whole season, but I will pick the ones that I really enjoyed and like, you know. So I do what, other shows. I like pick the Christmas holiday at ones I like to watch. Oh, and yeah. I'll, I mean, we only watch. We've just been going through the office Christmas. Yeah. It's every Saturday night. We'll probably do it later tonight. Um, I will say. Dashes ex-girlfriend Sophia mm-hmm. is like the hottest person I've ever seen <laughs> and she also made me mental like she is the second coming of like a Penelope Cruz she's French she's not Spanish even though they like play her off as or she's they put her off as Brazilian um but she's French and she is just absolutely I don't I, I just found her dynamite on screen and I feel like I I she's in a, a Netflix series so like you know maybe she's got something else coming out it doesn't really look like she does based on um IMDB but like I just found her to be I a perfectly cast character of and they because they hype up Sophia and how she's just so good at everything she does and she makes every situation better and you know you can't hate like every in every teen movie you hate the ex-girlfriend and you don't like you just want her you want the best for her you want the best for dash you want them to be friends like um she does talk out of her mouth in a way that makes me absolutely mental but she's like very young so i i think that she might evolve into that but i just thought that her like she her entrance into the series is her walking into this restaurant and it feels very like dreamlike and i was just like who the fuck is this like this is who, like who is this and and that kind of movie star like she just she felt like a movie star in this and maybe you feel differently but she really did to me I, I mean she is like unbelievably gorgeous she does definitely have like a Penelope Cruz like presence it's just um the same way that I felt about Noah Centineo the way that the internet felt about Noah Centineo after to all the boys I love before is how I think the internet should feel about her she does she's like she's like Vanessa Paradis she's got like this yes yes I do think we're like one one like teen not teen um one like Hollywood dating cycle away from hearing that she's with Timothy Chalamet I was just gonna say that she's with Leonardo DiCaprio. Like I oh, think she's like oh, fully no. Leonardo DiCaprio's like type. Sign him up. I okay. Uh, I think I don't know because she's French. She so. made sure. Sounds sounds great. No, because she's like 22 and a mo- looks like a model, and that's what 
<laughs> in order to cover your date. <laughs> so that's what I meant by that. Uh, I think she has a long and actually very interesting career ahead of her. I think she'll I take so. chances. I think she's she had like a certain um she didn't play like a teen. No. She played like an adult in this film. Like she she did play a teen. I'm saying she played it as if she was like a very mature, you know, teenager. And I just feel like she's ready to like do something kind of wacky and like. Yeah. And I think, you know, thinking about kind of like the three, the four big performances in this would be like Boomer, who I thought was great. Um, and I would like to see him in something that had like a little less supporting. Yeah. Character. Like, cause he's pretty much just reacting to people, but he's like very funny he calls people on their bullshit and it was like a great, like you, you were interested when he was on screen. Lily was like a Drew Barrymore, zany, goofy, charming, sweet actress. Um, and maybe that's all she is. And that's great. Cause like love to see that and love her, uh, love a rom-com heroine. Like yeah. the, that is a dying breed of uh, celebrity. It feels like right now. And then you had Austin Abrams, who I haven't watched Euphoria, and I feel that I need to if he is, like, the lesser spoken about talent of the, of that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, oh, well, who else am I? I mean, obviously, I'm missing, like, Zendaya in that. So, but this woman, and her name is um, Kiana Marie. Um, she is just, yeah, she just felt like the movie star of the bunch. She really did. And, and she and Austin Abrams had, like, incredible chemistry and it was just great and i should say that in uh keeping with the teen movie theme a lot of the episodes of the of dash and lily were directed by fred savage of the wonder years i asked matt the other day um well first of all there's a commercial going on right now that has the wonder years theme song in it i can't remember what the commercial's for um, but the other day I was like, have you ever seen the Wonder Years? And then like that, then that night I was watching an episode of this and I saw Fred Savage and he's directed a ton of TV the same way that like Leah Thompson from, um, he directs a ton of TV. Yeah. Like, he's like, a, he, I mean, he's like a total workhorse. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, but I just love that. Cause I, he's one of my teen idol. Like, I just think he's great. I love the Wonder Years and obviously like. You know, he, because of the Wonder Years, we got Boy Meets World, and Boy Meets World is very important to me, so I just loved, I bet it was, I bet that being a teen and working with Fred Savage is probably a great experience, because he knows what it's like to be a younger actor on set, and, like, I feel like that would be very helpful, and bring out, bring out the best in these younger actors but I do want to get down to a couple of our categories um you and I have decided that in our well we haven't decided this formally but it does feel that the older we get the less appropriate our sleepover games feel I mean I love the superlatives I think we'll keep that well it feels appropriate when we're talking about movies that we watched as teens like with like Freddie Prince Jr. and Ryan Phillippe we're talking about people who are actually still teenagers, yeah. it feels So that's where we draw the line for our fuck, Mary kill game. Um, even Jonathan Taylor Thomas, like, it's not, I can't. Okay, but we do want to do some superlatives, especially since it's the holiday season. We have some pretty um, fun, festive themes. 
Aaron came up with who's the biggest Grinch. And I think we're probably aligned on this that it has to be Dash from Dash. That's the whole plot point is that he's resistant to Christmas. He's like calmed his divorced Upper East Side parents into thinking he's with the other one, which felt like a really believable plot point, to be totally honest. Um, Yeah, Dash. That was my true to teen life moment. (laughs) Was like, well, not to get off our superlatives, but if we're doing most true to teen life moments in these films, uh, mine was playing the divorced parents off of each other so that both of them think that you're with the other one and then you're actually doing something totally different. Um, you're not, and again, I used this to my advantage, but I wasn't doing anything like crazy, fun, illegal. I was just like, I want to be alone. <laughs> and I <laughs> and that's Dash does too. He's literally, well, although there is that one episode where his dad comes home and he's in a robe drinking cognac and that felt like a very Blythe vibe. Like, just like, oh, Hello. Like I can just see I can just see you thinking that your husband is out for the evening. Not that your husband wouldn't be totally into this vibe, but like seeing thinking that Billy's gone for the evening and just like indulging in some leisure wear, a large amber beverage, and just like feeling yourself in the home, and then all of a sudden someone walks in and you're like, excuse me. Uh, this isn't part of the plan. Like record scratch, like yeah. like oh hello, um, oh. welcome to my party for one. <laughs> yeah, but that was uh, I really appreciated that, and I I definitely did that. And it's like a total, it's like half latchkey kid thing, half like privileged kid thing, because the only reason like your parents have gone on vacation without you, and you're like, cool, I'm happy for you guys. That's great. Okay, one of the categories that Blythe came up with is the most likely to be on the naughty list. Mm. Uh, Jake. I Jake, yeah. I, I I was thinking, oh, maybe he's the Grinch. No, he's super into, like, he gets, re- it's a very sentimental film. He gets really into the holiday spirit. He is just, he's totally on the naughty list. He's a, he's a little piece of shit. I also think that someone to be on the naughty list from Dash and Lily would be Langston, Lily's brother. Oh, who's a yeah. great character, really, really great qu- character. Another queer love story, which is great to see. Um, but he just, like, he is the definition of, like, no parents, no rules, which we didn't even get into Lily's parents just, like, being on a casual vacation to Fiji. At, 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 at literally the, the least accurate thing I've seen in any of these movies, including, like, the pop star getting stuck on an Amtrak. Um, <laughs> also, like, did you finish Dash and Lily? I did. Could we just take a quick pause? I can't believe I haven't brought this up yet. The movie is so sweet. It feels so grounded in reality. And with Fred, you know, the credits come up at the end of every episode on Netflix. And you watch the first, like, five seconds before it auto-feeds you into the next. And like you said, you know, Fred Savage directed. That comes up pretty much, like, right away. But maybe, like, three or four credit, credit cards in, titled, you know, whatever, uh, Nick Jonas is an executive producer. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I didn't bring this up earlier in, in the episode. Uh, there is a Jonas Brothers concert at the end of this, like the finale episode or in the middle of the finale episode. And then Nick Jonas like has this like full bit wherein he fully makes fun of his own preposterous engagement marriage narrative 
It is so weird. It is. I'm just like, Nick Jonas, what is going? Like, when you're sitting down with your agent and your business manager and your wife, like, what the fuck is happening? Like, I just don't understand. But I literally, like, I was lying in bed watching it on Thursday. And I was like, or maybe it was, I don't know. It wouldn't have been Tuesday because The Bachelor was on. Maybe it was Wednesday. Unclear. <laughs> and I'm lying in bed and I'm just like, okay, well, I'm going to watch the last two episodes of Dash in the Late Night. And all of a sudden, I watched this, the second to last episode and I'm like, okay, here we go. This is going to be so sweet and so festive. And then all of a sudden, they're at a Jonas Brothers concert at Hudson Yards of all places. And I literally like sat up in bed and I was like, Am I hallucinating? Like, it just felt nuts. Like, it just felt like we went from this completely specific, normal, geographically accurate New York City show to a Jonas Brothers concert on New Year's Eve mm-hmm. at the Hudson Yards that teenagers were going to. And I was, that, I'm sorry, cool rich teenagers were going to and I was just like Nick are you okay like blink twice especially because like a huge part of the movie is like oh we're really into like cool like we listen to Joni Mitchell and we listen to the Pogues and like what the fuck were they doing out of Jonas episode I'm not even kidding I like cried up and I started thinking I, I, I teared up I started like Thinking about all of her friends doing drunk karaoke to the Pogues, and I was just like, put the shelf this, shelf this, shelf this, shelf this. Yeah, that was a. But also, like, it. I liked it because I was like, okay, this is. This is a dumb teen show. Like, it right. just is. So, like, this. The Jonas okay. Like, they do. It's, it's one one step removed from like a Mary Kate and Ashley like Christmas movie you know from the show isn't but that episode made it right. so yes which is fine because like that's what you need like every and this was I we can do some more superlatives if we want but what I really wanted to ask you and perhaps we can close out the pod although I would like to know who you'd like to kiss under the mistletoe oh, 17 year old you Eddie okay yeah, for sure. I mean, I am marrying a redhead, but like that when I was younger, like that tall, dark, handsome vibe was totally my vibe. And also, like he was pretty charming on Seventh Heaven. I can't remember anything about his plot point, but I do. He was like the Jess of Gilmore Girls, but on Seventh Heaven is how I kind of remember it. He was like Jess 1.0. And Jess was then like, you know, what took that type over the top? Um, Stuart Bale, the pop star, would have been mine. He just yeah. had, like, his smile, his, like, warm demeanor. It was just so, he probably, like, I just, 17-year-old me would have been like, I want that person to kiss me on New Year's or whatever. Like, that he is. Yeah, I didn't like nice people when I was a young person, so that's so nice of you to have picked a nice person. Okay, so my question for you to, like, close out this pod is, why do we feel like there are so few teen holiday movies? You want to know why? For the same question, I was like, why the fuck is Priya having a Christmas Eve party with no parents present? It's because the holidays are traditionally spent with your family, 
pandemics aside. And so who are these 18 year olds who are just like, peace out, mom and dad, gonna go get crunk. No one says that anymore. It's 2020. <laughs> okay. See, I thought it was more having to do with the fact that Christmas movies are so loaded. Like there's so, there always has to be some kind of like, because Christmas itself is such a huge holiday that in Christmas movies, there has to be something else to like raise the stakes. Like there's always like an engagement or like a pregnancy or like these big life moments, a death, like uh, a divorce, like these big, you know, um, you know, like families coming together and breaking apart and there has to be all of this heightened drama. Because when you're a teen, you are a passenger on that crazy train. Yeah, You are not able to, I actually was thinking about this after watching these. Is like, how did I celebrate Christmas with my friends as a teenager? And I was thinking, like, well, we exchanged gifts. I know, back to your question about why don't we have more teen movies. Because I think that the holidays, as you become an adult, become an expression of, like, yourself and your family, your chosen family, or the way that you form a new family. And when you're a teen, like, you're in that kind of nebulous phase where you still have your nuclear media family and your parents and like you're still fully submerged in that but you're starting to think about the relationships you have outside of that and how to celebrate that well and I do feel like the the moments like Christmas I didn't have a lot of holiday traditions with my family like there it just wasn't we just like weren't that kind of family um but I do remember like the day after, like Thanksgiving was very important, but like Christmas wasn't that important. And I just remember thinking like the day after Thanksgiving and like Christmas break were such fun times for like my friends and I, like we were just like, we're at schools, you know, we're not in school. Like we have all this free time. Like our parents are busy with other stuff. And like, with the exception of the people, I mean, there was definitely a divide. There was like people that want to spend the entire two week winter break with their family. Cause they freaking love their family and they have like 1700 holiday traditions. Oh, I have no idea who you're talking about. <laughs> and like, they won't see their friends until like after new year's. And then there was like a smaller group of us who were like, Oh yeah. Like I'm, I'm down to hang. Like, can we want to go to the movies? I want to do this. And, like, it's like this fun little time where, you know, time kind of stops. Like school's not in session. You just get to hang out. But nothing freaking happened. Like, no one wants to watch a movie about that. (laughs) No, that's a really great point. Like, nothing happened. Like, you would literally be at someone's parents' house and be like, hey, Mrs. Kitty. This is one of my best friends. Like, did you guys guys bring any leftovers from from your aunt's house? And they'd be like, no, Erin, order a pizza. And you'd be like, okay. (laughs) Like, there's little dramas but there's like nothing happens it's just like a really fun wonderful parents were around a lot during the holidays and so like parties didn't even really happen like you know it was just like people just chilled Mm -hmm. I also grew up and maybe this is the same in Madison like I didn't do when I was a teenager like we did not my family did not do winter sports really we did when I was younger but not when I was a teenager but I have I had friends who did so they'd be like oh I'll be I'm going skiing see you later and so it was like the panic of like oh my god I'm not gonna see my friend for a whole seven days like we have to pack in as many hangs before and after as you could and I mean it was really to do nothing but 
Right, exactly. So that's, uh, it was just like, you know, I, I love a holiday movie and I always thought like, oh, there should be more teen movies, but no, there shouldn't because nothing happens. Teens don't really do anything <laughs> around the holidays. Like, I think the most exciting thing we would do is like go sledding or ice skating or like, um, my friend Claire's parents had an amazing Christmas party that I would go to every year that was like amazing hors d'oeuvres and like, but it was so adult. It was not like, there was nothing like, oh, and the kids will go downstairs and like watch a movie. It was like, no, I mean, Claire was expected to like basically cater the whole thing. She was like, mm-hmm. we always, we had like a running joke where we were like, okay, we can't hang out with Claire for like the next five days because she's planning for the Hoffman annual Christmas party. Oh my gosh. Like chained to the stove. And it was like a joke, but like not totally an exaggeration because her parents would literally invite like the whole neighborhood. So they would have to put out like, a hundred crab puffs or whatever. I would like to be her parents when I. No, that was just my like my my thesis of of the evening was that like, as much as I would love more teen holly uh, holiday movies, um, there's a reason they don't have them. It's because holidays are um for families and adult problems and kids. Keep your holiday. Keep your uh, you know, teen movies are really best for summer you know, and, uh, and Halloween. <laughs> that, those, those Summer, Halloween, prom, yeah. first love. Right. Uh, yeah. But that's okay. Cause we have other amazing holiday films, but I'm glad we did get to do a holiday episode because I won't see you until after Christmas. It's true, but I think we'll be okay. Cause then I think we'll probably see a significant amount of each other. Okay. But I'll miss you so much. Um, I we don't know what our next pod will be. I have some uh, feelings about what I would like it to be. I'm sure you have some feelings too. Um, and I've got like nothing but time for the next two weeks, pretty much. Because well, okay, so let's um we can end the pod now. But you and I should talk about if uh if we should be watching some movies over this Christmas off time off of uh our adult jobs so sure thank you for listening thank you this has been smile you love us happy holidays happy holidays